And welcome to One Golden Moment, a daily Californian podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Coleman, and today we have four very special guests on the show to discuss the NBA's return to play. Tom Eisenberg, Justin Kim, Lucas Perkins-Brown, and Ryan Chen. These are four of our writers who are big basketball fans. They've all covered the NBA for our Bear Bites blog, and I'm super excited to have them on the show. To get into it, let's kind of just break down what the whole format is, how things are going to work. So... For those of you that don't know, basically 22 teams are going to be going to Orlando, to Disney World. Um, All the teams that were in the playoff spots, plus any teams that were four games or less out, they will conclude the regular season with eight games and then play in rounds for the eighth seed if teams are close enough, and then we'll just get into the playoffs. So how do you guys feel about that many teams being invited and about the format? Uh, it's too many teams. Like, it's way too many teams. I don't think the West teams are going to pass Memphis. Three and a half game lead is too much. You, like, bringing out, like, it's not just the players you're bringing out. You're bringing out, like, medical staff, uh, training staff, too, and, like, like I don't know, like, coaches and stuff or, like, whatever. So, I don't know why they were brought out. And, like, Washington, I sort of understand a little bit more since, like, they brought out five Western Conference teams. So, like, they probably wanted to bring out at least, like, one Eastern Conference team who, like, wasn't, like, in like the mix or whatever but even them like they're I think I saw their standings they're five and a half games behind uh Orlando and also even if like they did manage to get a playing series with Orlando I think they lost like all four games with against Orlando this year and the most recent two they lost by like 30 points or 20 points each so like I don't know why those two are brought out yeah actually actually I don't mind all the teams being there I'm more I mean I'm more worried about the players and personnel obviously for what's going on right now like you know you you want everyone to stay healthy and whatnot but I actually don't really mind that many teams going there I think you have to kind of look at it from like the perspective of like both conferences like Washington is six games behind Orlando you know in the ninth you know in the ninth kind of position right now but they've only won 24 games so I feel like the reason they even added like the Phoenix Suns and the Spurs is because they have won more than 24 games. Like I feel like they're just kind of giving everyone like a chance. I'm not really, I'm not really, not everyone a chance, but people that actually obviously can make it in that span of time. But also, you know, giving the Suns a run at it if they can possibly get it to the eighth spot. I mean, they're only six games back right now, but like a lot can really happen. I guess in the, I guess a lot can happen in the few kind of chances they have going into it. I mean, Memphis seems like they're sitting kind of pretty and stuff, but I don't know. Like, do we – I mean, do do the Trailblazers even want to play? Like, are they going to even have Lillard come back? Are the Pelicans going to even want to play? Are they just going to kind of call it quits? Like, it's kind of scenarios like that where I could see the Suns or Spurs or even Kings, like, kind of taking advantage of that moment and possibly sneaking their way in somehow. Me personally, I don't really mind it. I think it's going to add a little bit of chaos to the last part of this, you know, regular season that got cut off, but – for the moment, I'm actually I'm I'm actually okay with it. Yeah, absolutely. It'll definitely be pretty exciting if one of those kind of teams that are pretty far back finds a way to sneak into the playoffs. Oh yeah, absolutely. Ryan, what are you thinking about the format? 
Yeah, I think uh, kind of in response to that, that eighth seed, especially for the West, is going to be exciting to watch. Um, I think on paper, it's easy to think like, okay, the Blazers, Pelicans, probably did the strongest teams of the bunch uh, to, to vie for that eighth, eighth seed. But comments by Damian Lillard and others, like, you know, questioning kind of the motivation, is it worth playing for, you know, if it's kind of a useless uh, – uh, set of games, um, and they're not going to get too far in the playoffs. Is it worth playing? And I, you know, the Kings or Spurs could, uh, like Luke was saying, sneak up. Um, I think it, it, it's going to be really interesting to watch that all play out uh, to see who who gets that eighth seed. Um, but I think in terms of the the number, the twenty two teams, um, there are concerns, right? Like with COVID, more people you add in, more teams you add into. Uh, even if it is a quarantine bubble per se at Disney World, um, it, you know you have more people, and then you have more possibly family members who are going to come in, um, and just the more people you bring in, the more people you put at risk. So um, there is that. Yeah, it's it's definitely a pretty interesting debate on whether or not to come back. So kind of going along with that, if you guys were NBA players, do you think you would go back and play? And do you think there will be players who sit out and decide not to come back? Yeah, I think there definitely will be some players who sit out. But I think, like Kyrie said, like they should cancel the season. That doesn't help anything. It doesn't help the Black Lives Movement to just cancel the season. The NFL season is going to start this fall. There, there's no way they're going to cancel. So the sports distractions are always going to be there. You can use it to promote this movement, or you can just like cancel it and do nothing. I don't think it accomplishes anything, and the season will go on. I mean, LeBron said he wants to play. He basically runs the league. The league will play. Justin, what do you think? I think, like, like if I was an NBA player, like, I'd want to come back regardless of, like, how good I was. It's just because I love, like, basketball so much. But Dr. Fauci, he's, he said that the plan was actually really good. And he was saying – he even went as far to say that he thought he'd be successful. So, I mean, I, like, I feel like he's pretty like, reliable with that stuff. And – I definitely agree with Tom about like Kyrie's concern. Like, I don't know. I don't, I didn't really understand what Kyrie was saying. And I feel like I definitely agree with like, I feel like I agree with LeBron, like what he said, like, I feel like NBA players can do like both at the same time, like, especially LeBron, like LeBron has like a huge influence. Like even if he's not playing, it's the playoffs too. Like there's even, there's like a bigger platform for the Black Lives Matter, like Black Lives Matter movement. And even like on the court too, like you can send a message on the court. Like I remember in 2017 or 2018, LeBron, he wore a pair of shoes that said equality, like plaster on the back of it. And that just sparked a whole bunch of debates and stuff like that. Or like talk shows were talking about it. And those sneakers were sold really well. So I feel like that would also like spend them, like send a message. And like players would wear like, I remember in 2014 when Eric Gardner was like, just like brutally murdered. They wore like the I can't read shirts. And I think like, I'm sure they'd wear, do something like that. So I think that definitely spends, like sends a message. And I think like this notion sort of applies to like, just like average players even more like, they have like even more of a platform to speak up. Like, I guess in theory, you could do it from like your social media platform, but I feel like, like me personally, I know a lot of other people, like they, we like, I watch like post game interviews and stuff of players. Like I don't fall on social media. And I feel like they would be able to like send their message out, like to even larger platform than they would have already, like than they would usually have like just on social media and bring the attention to the black lives matter movement. Like every day, I feel like just after post game or whatever, like, I think that's, like, I think that would definitely work. Uh, yeah, I think it's interesting, like, the points you guys brought up. I definitely, like, I was reading about the uh, Kyrie situation 
a few hours ago, actually, because it had dropped a few nights ago, I'm pretty sure. And it is like, it was so interesting because what had happened was like, it had not really got reported, like, not so much correctly, but I guess it was kind of skewed a certain way to make it seem like Kyrie Irving was like, not into going back almost because he didn't want people to compete for a title while he was out. But in reality, he was more kind of saying like, I just want to make sure in the NBA, like all the players are cool with coming back. And like, it's not like the league kind of like telling us or like the people telling us, you know what I mean? So I kind of, I kind of saw it around like that angle, like, Oh, like I can, I can totally see where the guy's coming from. Like everyone wants to come back to sports. Everyone wants to get back to normal, but like there are, a lot like for these guys like there's a lot like bigger like battles to battle like per se I guess you could say I mean this is also the thing too this is like these guys' paychecks you know what I mean like they're getting paid to do this so a lot of guys want to come back obviously so you know they don't have to do a new collective bargaining agreement with the NBA and have the league kind of set the rules again they want to get back to play so they can get paid obviously but I mean in terms of the COVID stuff, I was also reading that they're going to get tested every other day in order, you know, to make sure that they can come back, you know, everyone's healthy and whatnot. There's going to be no fans in Orlando. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. I definitely – I'm kind of here nor there about the whole Kyrie Irving thing, but I definitely, like, not really so much worried about the actual health concerns tied to COVID just because I know these are, like, some of the most influential basketball players on the planet. I think they'll be pretty fine in terms of health concerns and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, I think uh, for Kyrie Irving, it is it, in his position. You got to look at it as you know, it, it, it's it's easier for him to kind of lead this movement for uh, kind of against uh, opening back up uh, the NBA. I mean, he's he's been paid very well throughout his career. Um, and his team is not really in contention uh, for the championship. So um, it, it's very interesting to see that dynamic between someone like Kyrie and someone like LeBron James. LeBron James, we know, has been fantastic um, in social justice and social movements. Uh, but, you know, he's, he's also leading a counter movement uh, or, I guess, a pushback from Kyrie's comments. Um, and he wants the season played out um, because we all know that uh, LeBron is the Lakers are in contention um, and they're yeah. one of the most prominent mm. teams. So it's, it's hard. And I, I, you know, I, I can't say if I was an NBA player, I have no idea. I think it, it would really depend on what my status is like as a player. So like Justin was saying, like if I, depending on how good I was as a basketball player, if I'm on a championship team or role player, that those are all very influential um, in my decision. Um, one thing I, I I did see online, which I found very interesting, I haven't looked too much into, uh, but I want to bring it up, is Austin Rivers. Uh, you know, as we know, Austin Rivers is kind of a, a solid role player on the Rockets, not a superstar, a superstar per se. Um, he, he brought up an interesting point, and he said, uh, I'll actually read it. He said, us coming back would put money in all of our pockets. With this money, you could help out even more people and continue to give more importantly your time and energy towards the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, so I, I guess, you know, I, I don't know how financially everything's going to play out. Um, you know, obviously the NBA 
from a business perspective, this is just to get more cash in um, to prevent that kind of financial collapse in the future. Um, but he raises a great point. Like if NBA players get paid very well, right? And if there's something that some sort of financial redistribution of money where you still pay the players, but you you kind of have like a charitable type uh, donation thing where we saw kind of in like the all-star game, right? Uh, this, this year, um, seeing something like that where the NBA does give back and they, they donate to, uh, to, to the BLM movement and um, subsequent organizations or uh, different uh, funding, uh, funding pages and whatnot. So seeing something like that where they can integrate it in um, and like Justin was saying, uh, kind of make it known and uh, have, uh, have kind of the, that uh, message uh, throughout mm. the entire playoffs. Yeah, it's definitely uh, fascinating to see how they'll move forward. For those listeners who aren't really aware of the whole situation, basically the report came out that Kyrie Irving had a call with 80 players where they were kind of speaking out about saying that the NBA might take away from kind of the attention that needs to be placed on the Black Lives Matter mu- movement, on the social injustice that's kind of happening in America right now. Um, but as you guys brought up, on the other hand, the NBA, while it might serve as a distraction, they also have, the players have quite a big platform. So it'll be interesting to see how things move forward, whether people will be um, still sitting out or taking different sides. And I think it's still kind of evolving over these next few days. So we'll see how that all happens. Oh, can I add something in really quickly? Yeah, go ahead. Like, topic we're just- oh yeah. Like I saw this like interesting quote by like CJ McCollum. It was, I think it was last year. Uh, he said that like a third of the players are paycheck to paycheck, which is like insane to me. Like I didn't, I would never have thought like NBA players paycheck to paycheck. So, and he's like VP of the players union and he's like an eight year vet. So I feel like he's like pretty well informed. So I think that's like an interesting thing to like think about that. Like a lot of players are living paycheck to paycheck. So it's like, I feel like it might be pretty important to bring it back. And also they have more roster spots opening up. I think they've increased it from 15 to 17. So that opens up a lot of like opportunities for like G League players to come in who maybe wouldn't have had the opportunity to make this money from before. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really fascinating. A lot of people kind of get caught up on like the 30 or so superstars who are getting max contracts every year. But there's also that, um, ma- there's the majority of NBA players who aren't doing that. And even during COVID, you saw like a lot of players who were like practicing in custom gyms in their houses. But then some of the role players were just like, playing at a playground or whatever and not kind of having that um, ability and not having that money. So it's really interesting kind of the dichotomy of the league and it's, it's definitely something to keep in mind. Um, so now let's kind of just talk about uh, basically the format. And uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but basically the, the whole thing is scheduled from July 30th all the way till October 12th. And then the, the goal is to start next season in December. Do you think it's a little bit, too long do you think it's just right and would there have been like a better way do you think to get this whole playoffs going would you have preferred they just jump into it let me know what you think about that I think they pulled this off correctly Jared Dudley and others have said that they need time to like get their bodies ready if they just jumped into it there'd be a lot of injuries so they needed this month to train and then training camp starts I think at the end of this month then we'll have that month to on and then we'll have three games, three exhibition games. I think that mean nothing. And then the eight, like, regular season games. So I think they did this right. I mean, this is the best that they could do in the situation. 
obviously it would have been more ideal to like have it all earlier and it all be over by now, but that's not how it is. So I think they did this right. I don't know what else they could have possibly done. Justin, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with Tom. Like, I don't know how else they, how they could have really done better, like considering the circumstances, circumstances. And I think training camp is like a little, I think if they went directly into the playoffs, like Tom was saying, like there'd be a ton of injuries. It wouldn't be like playoff basketball is all about like, I wouldn't say like perfection, but like every team's like best, like what like their best shot is honestly, like, or what like their peak play is. And if you just come like straight back, like, I don't know, like usually like the first two weeks of a regular season, it's like sort of rusty. And like, I don't want the playoffs to be that. So I definitely think it's a good idea to like, incorporate the regular season games and like the exhibition games. I think training camps are like a lot shorter than like what it usually is, which makes sense. So I don't know, they don't, they're also running on like a pretty strict timeline considering that like the NFL starts back in like September or something, right? Or like October or whatever. Yeah. And so like, I don't think they want to coincide with the NFL. So I think this is the best, honestly, they could do really. Luke, how do you feel? Uh, I think it's kind of hard to get this one wrong. Like I agree with uh, Justin and Tom on this one. Uh, I think the startup will be good for getting, you know, older guys, even younger guys, you know, the gears and engines moving again. I think the regular season games will be, once again, also good, kind of getting back in the groove, you know, team chemistry and whatnot. Playoffs will be good. I think I think it's stretched out pretty nicely. And then, you know, they do get a month off, obviously, before it starts again in December. But it'll be interesting having the NBA start in the, you know, later winter month and, you know, the fall. It'll be kind of an interesting dynamic to see how that sort of unfolds and how people prepare, you know, one season or not, not, not excuse me, not one season, how people prepare for one month before the next season actually starts. So, yeah, I think it's kind of hard to get this one wrong. I think they actually nailed it because um, the playoffs are going to be roughly the same. We'll have a few games here and there, but. You know, people want to see playoff basketball. I definitely thought that scrapping the whole season was just not a good idea, like, at all. And I'm, I'm not even a LeBron, like, fan per se, but I would have to agree with him scrapping it or, you know, people that, you know, wanted to scrap it at first. I have to agree, like, scrapping the whole season or just not even counting anything just does not make any sense to me. So I think they actually nailed it on the head on this one. I agree with Tom and uh, Justin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say that it, there's a good amount of games that they have for the, the regular season uh, for leading up to the playoffs. So that that's, I guess I'm kind of seconding what all of you guys have said, but it, I, I think the NBA did do a good job uh, considering the circumstances, uh, considering that, uh, as Justin was saying, you don't want to overlap with the NFL uh, necessarily in terms of your schedule. Um, I guess the only thing I can add is uh, – I, I'm curious to see what happens, uh, I guess, after this whole thing is done in Orlando um, to see what happens in December. So uh, let's say a second wave of coronavirus hits or worsens, what's going to happen? Like, are they going to get, I guess, all all of the teams back in, like, in Orlando? Or, like, are they just going to postpone the season even more? Um, that Those are questions that are, I mean – that's very far in advance and I'm I'm uh, happy to see that they've got it organized now um but uh yeah I mean I I wouldn't be too surprised if they they have to even move it further back um than mm-hmm. yeah you've brought up a really interesting point about what happens say like 
if a player or even a whole team gets diagnosed with COVID, how do you think the NBA responds? Do you think they would stop or do they just keep going no matter what? Tom, what do you think? Anyone who gets diagnosed has to be quarantined. Mm-hmm. So I suppose we'll just get quarantined. While the other ones continue to play, maybe if it's a small enough, if it becomes too many, I guess it would shut down again. That'd be such a mess. But if everyone goes into this, into this bubble without COVID, and they don't leave the bubble, they shouldn't get it. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that's what happens. Yeah, that's the that's the thing. If everybody stays in the bubble, which I think is tough to be away from your home and potentially your family and friends for that long, but we'll see if they'll be able to stick with it. Yeah, I was going to say, I was just uh, reading something earlier and it was saying that owners and teams and players all are under the impression that there won't even be fans throughout the whole next season. So there won't be any fans for the rest of this season and they're thinking that there's not going to be any fans for next season. So my best guess is that they're going to probably do kind of what Tom was saying, like, you know, if someone happens to come down with it, you know, they'll quarantine. But my best guess is if there's no fans that they're probably going to go through with it anyways. They'll, you know, they'll quarantine players have to be quarantined. But it almost seems as if that they're going to do anything they can to prevent that in the first place. They'll probably be testing players in and out of stadiums, making sure that, you know, they stay in their hotel rooms or wherever they're at, you know what I mean? Like not really going out in public. Um, you'll probably see – less of an appearance, you know, a public appearance from a lot of these people, you know, from a lot of these players that, you know, like to make public appearances, LeBron James, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, all those guys who like to show their face out in public. You probably won't see a lot of that next season anyways, but I would think that the NBA is going to do whatever they can from now until all of this is over to make sure that none of their players or coaches get, can track COVID at all. That's my best guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll, it'll be interesting. I think, I also think they'll probably do whatever it takes to make sure basketball continues, but. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's definitely a lot to deal with. This is a brand new kind of situation, brand new format and everything, which, which means that a lot of people are kind of bringing up the question that if the team, does the team that wins the NBA title this season, do they have an asterisk? Do we have to always kind of come back on that and say, well, this was a completely new format. It doesn't really count. What do you guys think about that, that mindset? The asterisk is always ridiculous to me because every team, every team is dealing with this. It's not like only 20 of the teams and there's only two teams that like have an advantage where they don't have to deal with this. No, everyone has the same situation and there's always injuries. There's always some random thing that pops up. Not, it's not always this on this scale, but there's always injuries and stuff like that. So there's no asterisk. No titles have asterisks. The title's a title, you know. Unless like every star player from every team except one or two are out with COVID, I don't, I don't see a reason why it would be an asterisk. With, uh, I agree with Tom. Like, I don't think – I think, if anything, it's probably a little harder to win this year considering, like, they don't have as much time. Like, it's like – you lose all your – like, for example, like the Lakers, like, they lost all – like, I'm sure, like, they're going to lose like, a lot of their, like, momentum that they had. Uh, even, like, the Clippers, like, even if they happen to win, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like it's harder for them because they had less regular season games to incorporate Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And if they somehow manage to win the title, like that's, I feel like that's pretty impressive considering, I don't know, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, I think they only played like 20 games together or something. So I don't know. I feel like it's just harder to win. Honestly, it's harder to win this year than it would be in previous years. Since like, at least in previous years, you know what to expect per se, but this year, like you just don't know what's going Like no one knows what's to, what to expect. And you're kind of just reacting like on the fly. So yeah, I feel like it'd be harder. So I don't, I don't agree with the asterisk. 
like point or whatever. I'm definitely going to rile up some LeBron fans right here with my anti-LeBron manifesto, but I absolutely 100% think that there should be at least some sort of asterisk or something next to the title of whoever wins this year. I mean, they're lengthening rosters so two-way players can now come on. All of these players, I mean, you've seen some of these transformations some of these guys have been making during COVID. I mean, James Harden for sure put off probably 10 to 15 pounds. Jokic looks like a completely different person. Like, like these guys, like, have had all this time. Like, you know, maybe it's just because they're, you know, just not working out. You know, they're just dieting differently or something like that. But it's 100%. There's 100% going to be different kind of players coming back on the court when the NBA resumes, whether we like it or not. I mean, me personally, I don't want – because I actually think the Lakers are going to win, and I'm not saying I don't think they don't deserve it because I think they've worked hard all season. That's the difference. But what what's to say, you know, Boston comes up and upsets them? What's to say the Bucks acquire someone from their farm team or something like that, and they beat the Lakers? Well, like, well, people say, oh, well, now they get an asterisk, like, next to their championship. But, like, I'm – but for LeBron fans who are like very strongly like, oh, this is like LeBron's year, I very much so feel like they're like, yeah, like doesn't deserve an asterisk because like he's gonna win it this year. But if he doesn't, would they say the same for other teams that won? So I think no matter what, whoever wins, there should be something. Not like again, like it's not like they don't deserve it or whatnot. I totally think they deserve it. But there definitely is going to be a little asterisk, I think, in at least, you know, in NBA history. I mean, you got I mean, I don't know, there's it's just Players are different. People are coming back different. Like, the whole setup is different. People don't – there's no home court advantage. Like, you're playing in Orlando. Every Everything is different. So, I don't know. I don't know. I, I got to say, Luke, I, I think I'm going to have to disagree. Uh, purely <laughs> on the fact that Tom raised a very good point in terms of, um, you know, it's all kind of an even playing field, right? So, I totally understand your point of, like, yeah, it, it is very different. It is – and this is unprecedented, right? Um, but it's an even playing field. Um, you have, you know, teams that haven't, all of the teams haven't been in this situation before. And for me personally, I, I just feel like anything that deserves an asterisk would be if one particular team had an advantage over all of, all of the others. So you could say that, you know, all, some of these teams who have fought hard for their seating, top seating, um, they lose their home court advantage. But again, it's kind of even across the entire board. Uh, there's, uh, I, I don't want to get too much into baseball, but uh, personally, I think the Astros definitely should have an asterisk uh, by their title, right? Because yeah. they, that's something where there's a huge cheating scandal that propelled them above all the rest of the MLB, um, just their individual team. Uh, in this situation, everyone's on even ground. Everyone's trying to figure it out. Um, and yeah, I, I just think, uh, because of that, uh, whichever team wins it really does deserve it. Interesting. You guys have some very good thoughts about that. I'm definitely curious to see how the average fan treats the return. Um, if you guys don't have any other thoughts about the NBA's plan to return to play, uh, why don't we get into some predictions? Basically, there's going to be an eight-game finish of the regular season where every team that hasn't yet clinched a playoff spot um, and the teams that were six games or less back behind them have a chance to make the playoffs. So in the East, this is Brooklyn's at the seventh seed, and then uh, 
Orlando is in the eighth seed right now, and Washington is the other team invited in the ninth seed. Um, let's start things off in the East. Uh, why don't you guys tell me who you think is going to snag that eighth seed, or who the two teams you think are going to get in to those last two Eastern Conference playoff spots? I think it's going to be Brooklyn and Orlando. They have a big lead. There's only eight games. If the Wizards won all eight games, the Magic and the Nets would have to win less than three games. I mean, that's just not happening. I don't know what the schedules are. They haven't released those, but that's just so unlikely. The Wizards are not good on defense at all. John Wall isn't coming back. I think they have no shot. I think this is really pointless. It's for sure going to be Brooklyn and Orlando. I'm not even sure if they're going to have, like, an opportunity to, like, even get the play-in series because you need to be four games back at least. And they're, I think they're five and a half right now or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, also, like, yeah, with, like, I think some people were, like, betting on John Wall, like, coming back and helping them. But even if John Wall did come back, I feel like they still would, like, lose. And um, I think I saw CBS Sports. They had, like, a schedule come out. And I think Washington, like, or, like, they sort of predicted the schedule. And it was pretty easy to predict considering, like, it's NBA, NBA, like, bases it off of, like, your remaining schedule. And you just take out the teams that, like, you weren't, you haven't played yet or whatever. So they were projected to play Milwaukee twice, Boston twice, OKC, and the Sixers. And they're, like, they're not going to win those games. And also, like, even if they did happen to, like, make the playoffs, like, nobody wants to see the Wizards. Even if they, yeah, even if they did, like, play Orlando, like, They've lost – they literally lost all four games against Orlando this year. And I know, like, regular seasons, like, on or anything or, like, the matchups or whatever, but, like, I feel like it's a pretty good, like, litmus test to, like – So a little bit of disrespect to any Wizards fans out there listening. <laughs> we'll see. Luke, do you, have, do you have any different opinions or are you also uh, – No, I'm, I'm, I'm around the same. I can't imagine a Wizards team at this point making it – I mean, where they're sitting right now. They don't have John Wall. I mean, he could come back, but even if he did, like my two former coworkers said, there's just – there's like they wouldn't win games. Like they'd probably win games, but they wouldn't make it anyways. He's – they're sitting five or six games behind. Um, I mean, like that – like what are they looking forward to? A rough but Milwaukee Bucks team that's for sure going to sweep them in the first round. I don't know if I'd want to go to Orlando at that point if I was – trying to fight for the eighth spot you know what I mean like I that's just me uh I don't yeah I just don't see them winning I think Orlando or Brooklyn I mean in reality whoever actually does end up in the seventh or eighth seed is going to get probably swept in the first round anyways but I can't see the Wizards being in that eighth spot like at all so I'd probably go with also Orlando and Brooklyn yeah mm-hmm. yeah I, I I think it it's too far back five, five games back I don't think was the Wizards are going to make it, um, but I, I I'm excited to see Orlando actually because uh, you know they are at Disney World they're in Orlando it, home court not, advantage you know it I, I I don't know how much of an uh, advantage it will be but I'd like to think that you know maybe they find it more empowering that they're on their uh, home turf I guess a uh, home state um, and that I guess you know. There, there might be a couple of environmental factors that they, they understand, like the weather patterns or whatnot. I know that has literally nothing to do with, uh, I guess, the on-court on, uh, on uh, games. But, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure how that affects their mentality, but I'd, I'd imagine it's, um, it's at least somewhat beneficial for them, um, just knowing that they're kind of already in their, their city. 
yeah, it's definitely interesting to see how that comes into play. Even just like being familiar with the time zone, maybe having practiced at the Disney World courts before, I think there's definitely some interesting factors for the magic that might play into their advantage. Um, and you guys seem to pretty universally agree that Orlando will get that last playoff spot. They definitely are the favorites. I would say to play devil's advocate. I think that in a series between Orlando and Washington, Bradley Beal is the best player on the court. And I think having the best player in the series is pretty big. So I think were the Wizards able to force that play in series, they'd have to win two games in a row. But I think with Beal, it's always possible they'd have a chance. Though, of course, as you guys talked about, they got a tough schedule. They're five and a half games back. So I don't know if they'll be able to make it, but we'll see. Um, going off a little bit, um, an interesting question. You guys talked about John Wall potentially coming back, potentially not coming back. That's also kind of a dilemma for a few other teams. Kevin Durant obviously probably won't come back, but he could come back for the Nets. And there's a lot of other teams who could bring those players back from injury. If you're one of those teams, what do you think about potentially rushing back a superstar or one of your great players to try to make a run this playoffs? Uh, I don't think any of those players are coming back. I mean, Durant would be so rusty. He hasn't played in a year. Those eight games would not be enough. His first time opponent would either be the Raptors, if he's lucky, or the Bucks. Like, that's that's just not happening. Honestly, I don't think, like, I don't know. I think the potential, like, star players that would make a difference coming back, like, are John Wall and Kyrie Irving, basically. But I think Kyrie already ruled himself out pretty much. So it's pretty much just John Wall. And I don't think – I think John Wall, he came off an Achilles injury too. And it's definitely going to take more than eight games to, like, come back from that. So, I think – I don't know. I don't think it's, like, really going to do anything. I don't think, like, the injured – like, yeah, I don't think injured players coming back is really going to help with anything. Yeah, you got to think of it, like, from a player's perspective too. I mean, we just talked about it, how after this season, the next season starts in December – Take this time as a player to relax, rest, and make sure, like, you're 100% good for the next season. If I'm an organization, I'm not going to put my star player on the line for a potential eighth spot. It's just not, it's just not going to happen. It's, it's not, like, it's not good for the organization to, like, bet on that one. It's not good for the player either to rush back anything if he doesn't feel ready, the legs don't feel right, the shot doesn't look good, all that stuff. No, don't bring him back. I have to agree with these guys. Yeah, I, I just it, it just doesn't make much sense, especially if you're a team like Brooklyn. Like, yes, you a lot of the entire NBA is rusty per se, right? But uh, Kevin Durant in particular, I I don't think there's enough games for him to to kind of heat up uh, to his his prime form. Um, Brooklyn's not really in contention, um, and I I just don't think. Like Luke was saying, as an organization, it, it's worth it. Um, it's just not worth kind of putting your star player at risk if you're not one of the top three teams in your conference already. I think he's ruled himself out, too, to add to that. I'm pretty sure Kevin Durant has ruled himself out. He, I'm pretty sure he tweeted or said something to someone, and he was just like, yeah, I'm not playing at all this season. So There we go. Yeah. yeah. That's actually quite interesting because so if, if Kevin Durant's out – Kyrie, we don't know what's happening. Yeah. If both of the, both of them are definitively out, I I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen to Brooklyn, but I yeah. they might it might be Washington and Orlando who makes it. Yeah. Brooklyn, yeah. yeah. I I don't know if I'd hedge my bets on Brooklyn. 
I was thinking, you know, it's funny that we were all saying, like, Washington is going to get out, and, like, Brooklyn and Orlando are going to go in. I was actually thinking possibly a supercharged Bradley Beal could potentially push the Wizards into the playoffs mm. and, like, talk about a sight to see if we saw something like that across the last few games of the season. But it's almost yeah. like all even for Bradley Beal, you have to, ask, you have to like, ask yourself, like, is it worth it? Like, do I really have to, like – go all out and play all the you know I mean he's got to put up some ridiculous numbers if he wants that team to make the playoffs and then he gets in there and he has to play the Raptors or the Bucks like is you know what I mean like all that work like it'd be so impressive to watch but at the same time like ugh, like you're gonna get you're probably gonna get swept by the Bucks like nobody on your team can guard Tentacumpo like nobody on your team is gonna be able to guard Siakam like major matchup problems like across the board so I mean it'd be fun to watch him do that but at the same time you're thinking like does Beal even want to come back and, like, get this Wizards squad for the playoffs? Like, I doubt it. I seriously doubt it, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be definitely interesting to see how everything plays out. Uh, I think Brooklyn, as crazy as it sounds, they might be sort of better without Kyrie Irving, like, without Kyrie and KD, like, for the season at least. Because if you think about it, like, they only had Kyrie for, like, 20 games, and I'm pretty sure they're below .500, like, with Kyrie playing. But they're currently, like, a seventh. They basically, like, got to the playoffs without Kyrie and KD this year. And they have, like, a pretty solid roster if you look at it. Like, they have Joe Harris. I think he won three-point contest this year. And he's, like, I think he's shooting, like, 43% from the field from three. Uh, Karis LeVert, who's, like, a really good wing player, I think he's super underrated. He's averaging, like, 18 a, 18 a game this year. And he recently had – or, like, the last game he played, he had 51. And he, like, 37 the fourth quarter overtime. I think he's definitely a player that could just like blow up in the playoffs. I think he's super underrated. Spencer Dinwiddie, he's averaging like 20 a game this year. I feel like he's, I, he was like, I feel like, I felt like he was like a borderline all-star this year, honestly. So I don't know. Like, and Jared Allen's too. He's a really like good up and like coming center. And he's like, I feel like he like had to block like every star player in the league at one point. So I don't know. I feel like the Nets were pretty underrated. I feel like they could like, I think they're definitely going to stay in the seventh seed. And I feel like, I don't think they're going to beat, like Toronto, but I think they could, like, I think they might, they'll probably lose in like five or six games, but I feel like it'd be like a really competitive, like five or six games, you know? So. Okay. Well, now that we've talked about the East, why don't we jump over to the Western conference, which I think is probably a much more interesting rates for those last playoff spots. Um, the top six teams in the West have clinched. The Dallas Mavericks in seventh have essentially clinched a playoff spot. So why don't we talk about the race for the eighth seed? Currently, the Memphis Grizzlies are hanging on to that spot with a record of 32 and 33, but they have five teams behind them on their heels that will all be chasing for that last playoff spot. The Portland Trailblazers, the New Orleans Pelicans, Sacramento Kings, San Antonio Spurs, and Phoenix Suns. Why don't you guys tell me who you think is going to be able to get that last playoff spot in the Western Conference? I think it's pretty schedule dependent. I think New Orleans and Portland could do it, especially because Nurkic is going to probably come back for Portland. He was set to come back in mid-March, and if the season hadn't gotten suspended, he would have played over 10 games in the regular season. So I think Portland has a pretty good shot at it if Dame plays and CJ plays, and so did New Orleans. But I think Memphis's three-and-a-half game lead will be too much probably because they don't even have to win all their games. The Pelicans have been to win at least like six games, to be, being realistic, out of those eight. And it's all against these 22 teams, so it's – Unless you're playing, like, the Wizards and the Magic, there's not really many easy opportunities here. I really think it's going to be the Grizzlies. 
Yeah, I actually, I wrote an article on this, Fate of Eight, so everyone should go check that out. Oh, yeah, Daily. I think it's on Bear Bites. You wrote about the Pelicans, right? I wrote the Pelicans, and um, I'm pretty sure it's like, I feel like it's between, like, Portland, Memphis, and the Pelicans, but I don't think Portland will make it, honestly. Like, the schedule is, like, pretty much confirmed that this, like, not confirmed, but, like, I feel like everyone has a pretty, like, it's a pretty, like, good bet, like, what this, I think CBS released it, so, like, I don't know, it's, anyways, like, Portland's projected schedule, they have to face a current, they have to face, like, a current playoff team in every game, and I don't think, and they have to also incorporate, like, I feel like it's, like, a good, it's a good thing they're getting, like, Nurkic back, but, like, incorporating, I think Nurkic had one, like, the nastiest, like, injuries I've seen in a while, and, like, I feel like he's going to take more than eight games to, like, recover from that, so incorporating him back with Hassan Whiteside as, like, a center, and, like, I don't know, like, I feel like that front court, like, dynamic is going to be sort of weird, like, like, Whiteside doesn't really provide much spacing, and, like, Nurkic also isn't, like, the best shooter out there, so I feel like they're probably not going to make it. Uh, Memphis, I feel like, even though they do have that three-and-a-half game lead, which will be, like, sort of tough to, like, keep, the only, like, the thing is, like, you have to, like, you get, I think it's the playoff playing series that's important, like, you only need to be four games back, and I'm, I'm pretty confident that like, New Orleans will keep that, like, four game, like, will be within four games, at least, of Memphis. So, also, Memphis, like, they don't they have, like, a much tougher schedule than New Orleans. Like, they're projected to play Milwaukee, Utah, like, OKC. And New Orleans, they play Memphis, like, they only play two Western Conference playoff teams. And one of them, or three, I think, but, like, one of them's Memphis. And they play Memphis twice, too. And also, like, New Orleans, like, they beat Memphis twice this year. And they beat... The first time they beat Memphis, it was by 10. And they beat Memphis by, like, 30, like, the last time they played them. I don't know. I feel like they match up pretty well with Memphis. Also, like, I don't know, like, I think the NBA, like, was going to, like, try and find a way to get New Orleans in there. Like, who doesn't want to see Zion in the playoffs mm. with LeBron, like, Lonzo, like, and Ingram. Like, I don't know. I feel like the new Pelicans have, like, a much deeper roster. Like, if you look at it, like, Zion, he's averaging 24. They got Drew Holiday and Lonzo. Like, they're, like, probably, like, one of the best defensive backcourts in the NBA. Who else? You have Ingram, who's just an all-star this year. You got J.J. Redick. You also have, like, some pretty dynamic, like, rookies, too. Nikhil, Alexander-Walker, Jackson Hayes, like, and Josh Hart, too. I forgot. Like, he's, like, a defensive, like, stud. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm betting my money on Pelicans. Yeah, I like uh, Memphis in this situation, too. Um, I like the Pelicans as well. I think bef- right before, like, the NBA kind of was uh, canceled, I guess you could say, Right before, like, the COVID hit, Memphis was really hitting a groove that people were, like, very fascinated by, myself included. John Morant had, like, this energy, that, and I don't know what it was. Like, he brought something that, to Memphis, like, not just, you know, so much his gameplay, but also, like, his energy. People in Memphis like playing with him, and I definitely think that when they come back, they're definitely, they're definitely going to be on that same kind of groove, too. There's something working there. I don't know what's, like, really going on, but He's leading that team pretty well. I would love to see Portland make a run for it. I know Damian Lillard's kind of against it. But, yeah, with Nurkic coming back, sounds like they're going to make a run for it. And, you know, I don't know. I, I think whoever comes into the eighth spot, whether it's Memphis, New Orleans, or Portland, the first round against Lakers is just going to be epic. Like, it's going to – I'm pretty sure we could all agree on that. It's going to be epic. Like, LeBron against Lillard. LeBron against Zion, LeBron, LeBron against uh, John Morant, like anything like that, it's gonna be extremely, extremely fun to watch. I'm gonna go with the Grizzlies right now, but I would say my sleeper probably would be New Orleans, and the team that I actually think could do it is Portland over Memphis, if anything. 
I think, uh, like everyone was saying, it's going to depend on the scheduling. Uh, if, if Memphis does have that tough schedule, it, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. John Morant has been fantastic this entire season. But if he uh, – I we don't really know how he's going to play out in these uh, last couple stretches of games. Uh, he This is his first season, so it will be great to, to see um, what he has in, lined up against some of these top-tier teams. Um, but another thing is just the mindset. Uh, there's been questions, uh, like we've mentioned, about Lillard and his mentality. Uh, but I, I really do feel like if Portland gets – gets it together and they're locked and loaded and they're ready to play. I think they'll snag that eighth seed. Mm-hmm. Uh, they made it all the way to the con- Western conference finals last season. Yeah. They got swept by the Warriors, but you can never count out McCollum and Lillard uh, and you bring in Nurkic. They're a strong team. Um, I guess also new Orleans would be really fun to watch. Uh, they, I think, like you were saying, Luke, like it's going to be epic seeing any of these teams play the Lakers in that first round. Uh, I, I think, I think the Trailblazers would give the Lakers the biggest run for their money. But if New Orleans played uh, the Lakers, they're. I mean, it, it's going to be great to see Ingram, Ball, Josh Hart, like all of them play the team that they were traded away from, um, and they. I, I always like to think that that uh, the Pelicans are the bizarro Lakers. Like, they are literally the Laker rejects. So, seeing that play out, that's going to be pretty insane. Yeah, I agree. I think whoever does get that last play-in play in spot will have quite the series with the Lakers. Seems like you guys all agree it'll be definitely quite the race between the Blazers, the Grizzlies, and the Pelicans. I'm definitely interested to see who ends up sneaking in in the end. Not a lot of love for the Kings, the Spurs, or the Suns, but that's okay. I guess they'll get some experience, but I I don't know if they'll make it either. Um, Now let's talk about, I would like you guys each to give me kind of one dark horse team you like going into this playoffs. A team, not a favorite, but someone you think is going to make some noise or maybe surprise the NBA a little bit. I'm going to go with the Miami Heat. They're the only team to beat the Bucs twice this season. I think they have the best... Out of besides uh, the Lakers and the Clippers, they've got the best tools to defend Giannis with Adebayo and Jimmy Butler and a good defensive scheme. They're the best three-point shooting team in the league, so I think they have the tools to upset a team like the Bucks. I don't think they will, but I give them a pretty fair shot to beat them. So that's my dark horse. Justin, uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with the Denver Nuggets actually. Like I. I feel like they have like a really deep team and they have some like Mike Malone's like an excellent coach. Jokic, you saw like he lost like a ton of weight. I feel like he's gonna be much more mobile. And like I think a problem last year was with Jokic was in the playoffs, he like totally just gassed out. I think he started getting like he started fouling much more towards the end of games and stuff like that, like in the playoffs compared to the regular season. So I think with his like weight loss, I think that should definitely be a plus. But they got like a deep team though, like they got like Jamal Murray, they got Michael Porter Jr. I think he's definitely like a player like that slept on like. I think in a couple – I forgot, but, like, a couple of games, like, I think Mike, like, Michael Porter Jr. had, like, 20 points or something, like, some outbursts like that. I feel like for players like that, there's, like, not much to lose. Like, no one's really expecting much out of them. So, I feel like that sort of, like, brings out the best, like, in players and stuff. Uh, they got Paul Millsap, who's, like, playoff-tested veteran. They got Gary Harris, who's sharpshooter. And he's, like, a really, like, microwave – like, a good microwave scorer. So, I think they're definitely a team to watch out for. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me in the West, it's Denver. In the, uh, I mean, yeah, Justin said basically everything I was going to say. But in the East, I'm actually with the Sixers. Uh, I like, I kind of like where they're standing right now. They're in the sixth spot. Um, I, I think people have kind of ruled them out, but you have to, you know, also remember that they're dealing with one of the best centers in the league and he can well go for 40 any night he basically wants to or can. And, you know, if Ben Simmons can find some sort of offensive strike, I think they have a really good shot making a deep playoff run. I'm, I mean, I think it kind of stops, you know, I think obviously the buck literally stops with the bucks, but I think the Sixers can definitely get the Eastern Conference Finals if they can kind of figure out those team issues that they got going on in the locker room. However, I will say that Embiid, if he gets if he gets going, and Ben Simmons also gets going too, that's a tough team to match up with. Like on any night, it's a very tough team to match up with. Yeah, I I, I think uh, Denver's going to make it far. I would say possibly OKC. Um, you have Chris Paul, you have Stephen Adams, Gallinari's. I think is very slept on. Uh, he's a great small forward, a very consistent uh, small forward, but. Um, I think OKC could possibly make it far, uh, possibly challenge a team like Houston or Utah. Um, I don't know how far they'll get in the playoffs, but I think uh, they they would have a great chance of making it out of the first round and uh, possibly even the second. Uh, so I think they're a very strong team. Um, and I would I, I think Philadelphia also would could make it far depending on again their mentality. Um, they're a terrible team away um, at, at home. They have a 29 and two record, uh, but away they have a 10 and 24 record. So uh, I know the league had, had been talking about uh, things like, you know, putting in a, a, a home floor uh, for whatever team or whatnot. Um, but I don't know how much of a difference that would make in terms of making it feel like you have a home court advantage, but uh, Philadelphia, if they get their act together, they're going to be a scary team. But uh, judging off of their record alone, I, I don't know how far they'll make it. Um, but, yeah, totally depends on the mentality. So those are some great dark horses. I think this year we've got one of the deepest playoff fields we've seen in a long time. So I'm super excited. Uh, the Heat, the Sixers, the Nuggets, um, any of those teams, OKC, they could all make a run. I'm really excited to see kind of how it all plays out. For my money, my dark horse would have to be Dallas. I think they're one of the best seven seeds you'll see. They've got talent. They've got experience, great coaching. I definitely think they could make some noise. Um, But now to finish off this episode, we're going to get into some rapid-fire playoff predictions. So let's go series by series, talk about it a little bit, and then you guys let me know who you think is going to win and in how many games. Start, And we're just going to treat it as the teams that are currently in the playoff spots or who we'll put in there. It's definitely possible that things could change in the play-in, but for argument's sake, we're just going to leave things as they are. So the first series over in the Eastern Conference, we have the Bucks against Orlando. Who do you guys think is going to win and in how many games? Uh, I actually wrote an article about this for the East and West playoff predictions, and I said that the Bucks would sweep the Magic. They are not good. They don't have Jonathan Isaac. They have nothing to defend Giannis. I'd be surprised if they wouldn't have in any of these games. Justin? I agree. I, I think Bucks and four. I don't know. There's like 
there's not much Orlando can do. I feel like Aaron. I feel like Aaron Gordon is probably like. I feel like they don't have like a definitive best player, but if they had to choose one, it'd probably be Aaron Gordon. He's just not like. He's just not good enough to guard Giannis and like the other players like Milwaukee has. So, go mm-hmm. with Bucks. Yeah, you know, you want to think that in, with this situation that maybe the Bucks slip up a little bit. Maybe they drop a game with, like, you know, all this stuff going on. You know, the format might mess them up, home court, away, wherever they're at. But I can't really disagree. It's, it's definitely going to be Bucks and four. There's just, there's just no answer for Tentacumpo. Nobody on that roster can guard him. Nobody can keep up with their speed, their talent. I mean, yeah, it's, it's going to be Bucks and four. Mm-hmm. Yep, Bucks and four. There's, there's no way. I, I don't know who, who stops the honest. I, what I mean, I, I, Aaron Gordon or, or uh, Mo Bamba or Jonathan Isaac. Like no way, no way. All right, we got a unanimous decision for our first series, Bucks and four. Next up, the two v seven matchup, which currently would have the Toronto Raptors against the Brooklyn Nets. What do you guys think? I'm gonna go with another sweep and say Raptors and four. Uh, they're both pretty good defensive teams, but the Raptors can generate way more offense through Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam. And that's have to rely so much on Spencer Dinwiddie, and I think he's going to be exhausted. He'll be also a little rusty, like everyone will be, and he'll have no one to defer to. I mean, if you're relying on Joe Harris as probably your next best – or Karis LeVert, actually, as your next best scorer, which is Lowry and Siakam, I don't trust that at all. Justin? Actually, I have Raptors in six. And I feel like, I don't know, like, the Raptors, like, they're a really good, like, regular season team. And we haven't really seen, like, what Siakam can do in the – I mean, we saw him last year, but, like, it was mainly Kawhi, like, carrying the load. And I haven't seen, like, what playoff defense does to Siakam as the number one option. Also, Murray, he's also – he's, like – although he's, like, a really – he's a really solid point guard, definitely all-star point guard. He hasn't had, like, the best playoff, like, reputation – I feel like the Nets don't have much to lose in this situation. Like, they're going in with, like, nothing to lose mindset. And I feel like Karis LeVert, like, as I said earlier, is, like, a super underrated player. He can blow up in any game. But I feel like overall, like, the Raptors are, like, they're, like, team chemistry. Overall, team defense offense is just too much for the Raptors to overcome. But, I mean, for the, sorry, the Nets to overcome. But I think they can steal two games for sure. Yeah, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with the Raptors in five. I think... I mean, you have to appreciate first what Nick Nurse has done with the team without Kawhi Leonard after they won the championship last year against the Warriors. I mean, the stuff that Siakam is doing this year is just un- like, truly unbelievable. Kyle Lowry looks great. But you also you kind of get that question like, eh, is Kyle Lowry good? Like, yeah, it's like, is this like his year to show everyone like, oh, like this is his team because he's been, you know, he shared it with DeRozan. It was for sure Leonard's team last year. And, like, now is it Siakam's team? Is it Lowry's team? Like, is it both their teams? Or is it, is it you know, are they both kind of sharing that star player role? I think the Brooklyn Nets steal one. Um, I, can, I can just kind of see it. I think Raptors will go up probably around 2-0, and then they'll drop 1-2-1, and then they'll finish out and win it. I think there's a little bit there's – just, there's just not enough talent. On, I mean, it's also kind of ironic, too. We add Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to this soup it's a completely different story it's a completely different angle this series definitely favors Brooklyn but it doesn't obviously so yeah I gotta go with the Raptors in five yeah I'm also gonna go Raptors uh in five I, I think they're a very well put together team um they're 
I think they're going to make it pretty far in, in the playoffs. Um, and I, I could see the Nets snagging a game. Uh, it totally depends on who comes back for them. But uh, even, even if Kyrie and uh, Durant don't come back for them, um, I, they are also a, a formidable opponent. Um, and uh, when you're on the floor with Brooklyn versus Toronto, they're just too – it's interesting because they're without Kyrie and Durant there – there's not really a, a superstar on the floor. I'd say the best is Siakam. Siakam's amazing, but um, because it's just it's really just a team game um, of Brooklyn versus Toronto. I think Brooklyn could take a take a game off um, off from uh, Toronto, but I, I think Toronto will will win the series uh, pretty easily. Great. So another unanimous decision, this time a little bit of disagreement about how many games it'll take the Raptors to win, but still all picking Toronto. Next up, we have a series that I think will be a pretty fun one and definitely could go down to the wire. We have the three-seeded Boston Celtics taking on the six-seeded Philadelphia 76ers. Let me know what you guys think. I really think this could go either way. It really depends on how, if it, the Sixers play as if they're on the road or at home. So, I mean, on one side, the Celtics could, like, sweep them if this Philly plays, like, road selves. But it could also be, like, Sixers could win in, like, six. But ultimately, I think it's going to be somewhere in between that. I think Boston will win in six. I think Embiid having no one there to guard him. I mean, Daniel Tice is too small. And Enos Cantor can't guard anyone. I think he can win them a few games by himself. And then Jason Tatum has really emerged since the All-Star break. He's been really great. And I think he and Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, I think there's just too much offense in Boston and better coaching. Justin? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think I'll have to go with Sixers and seven. Like, in the four matchups they've played against each other this year, Sixers have won three out of four times. And, like, I know, like, regular season, like, it doesn't – it's not like the end-all be-all, but I feel like it's a really good indicator of what could happen. You have, I mean, Embiid, like, I, like Tom was saying, like, I don't know who's going to stop him. I feel like even last year, like, I remember, like, Ben Simmons, like, really emerged in the playoffs. And I don't know, like, Kemba Walker, even when he was in the playoffs, he got sweeped that one time. Like, he got sweeped, I think. So, I don't know. I'm going, going to go with Sixers and Seven. Yeah, I think I'm also going to go with the Sixers and Seven. Um, I think in this kind of scenario, Jason Tatum obviously looks great. Uh, Jalen Brown still looks great. Gordon Hayward also looks good. I just can't see them really finding an answer to the big man kind of issue they'll have at the point guard position. You could put Jalen Brown on Ben Simmons. I mean, he's obviously, we all know Ben Simmons is not a sh- like a shooter. He's basically a brick house. But at the same time, I don't really think they have like a real answer for Embiid at all across the board. I saw something on Twitter kind of circulating. It was Taco Fall, like, shooting threes. And they were like, oh, no, if, he's, if he can shoot, like, it's bad. Like, Boston looks really good. But, like, are they really going to bring Taco Fall in for the playoffs this year, like, against the Sixers? If so, that would be – God, that would be such an awesome matchup, I think, Fall versus Embiid. But if it doesn't happen, you kind of – you kind of can see, you know, Embiid kind of not so much laying back, but definitely putting up 27 points a game – in seven, you know, for seven games and kind of mulling their way into the next round in seven games. I can definitely see it happening. I definitely think in that scenario, it'll be, you know, Embiid versus Tatum down to the wire kind of action. But in that scenario, I'm going to have to go with Embiid. So I'm going to go with uh, 76ers and seven. 
Oof, I gotta go Boston in six. They're uh, I just can't can't not take this in consideration with the away record. Uh, Boston's away record is twenty and twelve. Philadelphia ten and twenty four. Um, they're I I don't think you can ever count Brad Stevens out. Uh, he's an incredible coach. I think he'll 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 find the matchups and he'll he'll find a way to 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 contain someone like Embiid and Simmons. Uh, the Sixers are a great team, but I really do question kind of uh, not only that away record, but their mentality going into all of this. Um, and I just think Boston's a more complete team. They have uh, more cohesion to them, and they have a great coach. Um, so I, I I think it's gonna be a it's going to be a great series nonetheless, but I, I'm going to have to go with the Celtics in six. And it's not easy for me to say that as a Lakers fan, but uh, mm. I, I think Celtics will, will have the edge. Interesting. Split down the middle on this one. It definitely, I agree that it definitely will be a close one. If I had to be the deciding vote, I guess I'd say the Celtics, but it absolutely could go either way. The last series in the Eastern Conference that on paper should be the closest one, has the four-seed Miami Heat taking on the five-seeded Indiana Pacers. What do you guys think about this one? Uh, I think the Pacers are super mediocre. Like, they were always just, like, a very plain team to me. I thought they'd be, like, a middle-of-the-road team, and they are kind of a middle-of-the-road team. And I think the Heat are pretty clearly better. They'd have the two best players in the series, and I think that can make all the difference. They've got a better coach. Yeah, well, I guess they don't – they sort of have home – they have home state advantage. Um, and I think they'll win in six games. I think Indiana can make it pretty competitive. They're, they're an underrated team. Justin? Yeah, I agree with Tom. I'm going to go with Miami in six. I think Indiana could steal two games. Uh, I feel like the matchup – I feel like – I don't know who's like – I think Oladipo definitely will make an impact. Um, they got – like, I think Sabonis is pretty underrated. Uh, uh, but I feel like – in Miami Heat, they're just the coaching's too good. They had their team chemistry is just up there, and Jimmy Butler. I mean, he's different in the playoffs, so definitely. Go, I think I'm gonna go with Miami six. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go with Miami in five. Uh, I think there's big matchup problems across the board for Indiana, specifically at the guard position. I mean, mind you, you have Victor Oladipo bringing the ball up, but who's gonna guard him? It's going to be Jimmy Butler, and as Justin just said. Jimmy Butler is just, you know, obviously something different in the playoffs, which then, you know, leads you to believe, like, you know, who's going to guard Harrow? Who's going to guard Who's going to guard Butler on the other side? Of, like, Oladipo essentially can't do it all against this roster. And Miami is unbelievably deeper than a lot of people think across the board. I think they look really good going into the playoffs. I almost, I would, obviously, I would, you know, want them to go farther. I think this is probably as far as they would go, but I got them in five against the Pacers. They're a fun team to watch, though. I'm going to say that. They're a really fun team to watch. I think uh, Miami in six. I, I think uh, Jimmy Butler is incredible, and he's, he's hungry. I, he finally has a team that, that really works with him, uh, where he's taking the mantle and leading it. Um, and I think that that will be advantageous in, um, in this series. Uh, it will be great to see, I guess it would be Butler versus – uh, Oladipo and uh, Sabonis versus Adebayo. Um, and that's, those are going to be really great matchups to just watch. Um, but, I, yeah, I got to give it to Miami. Great. Well, that should do it for the Eastern Conference. Uh, our guests mostly agreed. 
definitely some different opinions in regards to the Sixers Celtics series. Uh, but I think no matter what, we should have a pretty good playoffs out in the Eastern Conference. Now let's jump over to the West, where the first series would have the Los Angeles Lakers taking on that eight-seeded play-in team who, as we discussed before, could really be anybody. But as of now, it'll be the Memphis Grizzlies. So let's break down a series between the Lakers and Grizzlies. Who do you guys think would win? I think no matter who the eight-seed is, it's Lakers in four, maybe five. I mean, it's the total controllers, maybe Dan can get them again if he gets hot. Otherwise, I think Lakers in four. LeBron Anthony Davis, far the best players on the court. Lakers are far a better team than any of those eight seeds. Those one to eight matchups are usually pretty dry. I think it'll be fun because the, the eight seed teams are fun and maybe some close games there, but I can't really see the Lakers losing. The series definitely not. I think it depends, but I mean, if they're going to go against Memphis, I feel like it's going to be Lakers in five. Lakers are sort of like, as I've watched them this year, like they're sort of, they've sort of like slipped up sometimes against like easy teams. Like I remember they got like slapped by Memphis like earlier this season. And I feel like that could happen at least one time out of five games. Like, They've known to have some defensive like slip ups and stuff like that, and like they're not always they're not the most focused team in the league. So I think I think five games though, but I feel like it'll be a competitive like two to three games. But I feel like the other two Lakers should like blow them out though. So yeah, the Lakers have been playing really good defense lately. I want I wanted to go with Justin and say Lakers in five, but I think I'm gonna go with Lakers in four. Arrested healthy LeBron and Anthony Davis, I think trumps any foe that knocks on their door. I don't, I don't see a scenario where John Morant can, or even that Memphis roster can shake things up and win a game against these guys. They're across the board. They're just, they're just the better team. And like just plainly, that's basically it. There's really nothing else to say. They're coached better. They're, they play better as a team. They're a better roster. There's players in the Lakers that are playing out of their mind, like Caruso, so it's playing super well this season. I mean, yeah, Lakers in four, pretty simple. Yeah, Lakers in four as well. Um, I, I, LeBron is wants this championship ring. I'd, I'd say more than uh, I, I don't know about more than anyone, but he's certainly up there. Um, you really have no answer to Anthony Davis. I mean, I, I don't think Valanciunas would be able to contain him. Um, I love John ja, ja Moran, but we don't know what he's capable of in the playoffs. So I don't know how well he'll fare uh, against the Lakers. Um, and I think no matter who that eighth seed is, the Lakers are going to to sweep them or uh, win it in maybe five. Uh, I think if the Blazers are able to grab that eighth spot, um, I'm going to assume that their their mentality is there and they're they're ready to play, and I, I think they could possibly knock off uh, a game from the Lakers uh, purely because you have Damian Lillard, who can heat up at any moment's notice. Uh, but again, I, I just don't see any of the teams knocking off the Lakers. Okay, everybody agrees. Our next series, the two-seeded Los Angeles Clippers taking on the seventh-seeded Dallas Mavericks. Give me your picks. Uh, I think this one is going to be the Clippers in six games. Luca's Luca's cool. Kristaps is cool. It's a good team, but the Clippers are just way better. They're a top five in offense and top five in defense. They're the best player. They have way more depth. They've got so much scoring. So even though the Mavericks have more, they've scored more in the regular season. They had a better offensive rating. I think the Clippers are going to be way too much for them. They can just send so much at Luca that I think he'll really struggle. Uh. Yeah, 
I would have uh, I would have the Clippers in six, but since ever since what Luca's trainer said, how Luca's a little out of shape, I'm gonna have to go with Clippers in five. I feel like if a trainer says that about his player, like I don't know, like usually, like I feel like they they want the best for their player, but if they're like letting everyone know that he's out of shape, like I don't know, like that seems a little suspicious to me. But I feel like 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 what Tom was saying, like the Clippers are just too good offensively and defensively. They have too many weapons they can throw out Luca, especially if he's out of shape. You got Paul George, Beverly, Kawhi Leonard, arguably three of the top like twenty defenders, 10, 10 to fifteen defenders in the NBA. Um, I think Dallas could steal a game. like I think they will still steal a game though. I feel like Luca will probably go off at least in one of those games along with Kristaps. And yeah, but I'm just gonna give him one game though. So Clippers five. Make no mistake. Respect to the man Luca. He's been balling out this season, but. Do not disrespect the names of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. These guys are going to sweep the Dallas Mavericks in the first round easily, easily, no problem. These are two superstar players that teamed up over summer and thought, hey, let's go win a ship in L.A., but let's not do it for the Lakers. Let's do it for the Clippers. These guys are also on a mission of their own, just like LeBron, just got a little bit of a different ring to it. I have no question in my mind that these guys are going to sweep. I mean, yeah, Luka could go off one game, but there is no response for Kawhi Leonard and Paul George on that roster. Anywhere. Anywhere on the Mavericks roster. None. So Kawhi will 100% be matched up with Luka all four games that they win. And Paul George will do anything in his power to score how many, how many points he ever wants to in every single one of those games. I have no doubt that that's going to happen. It's going to play out like that. Could, could they steal a game? I think they could possibly steal one. But you'd have to bet on that Leonard – and George play terrible, and Doncic plays out of his mind. And even then, I still think the chances are extremely slim. Clippers are built well from top to bottom, I would say. There's a few kinks on their bench and stuff, but for the most part, the Mavericks, I think, have no shot of winning this series or any game in this series at all. I, I think Clippers in, in five, I, I, you really have no answer to, to Kawhi or Paul George. Uh, both offensively and defensively. Uh, Luca is an incredible offensive player, um, as with the entire team. So I, I, I could see uh, the team taking a game away from the Clippers, but overall, there's just I, I don't give it any shot for them to actually challenge the Clippers um, to make it to the second round. All right. So once again, everybody thinks that the Clippers are an elite team and should be able to knock off the Mavs. Now we move into the more interesting series, or the ones that I at least think should be a little bit closer. Uh, first up, we have the third-seeded Denver Nuggets up against the sixth-seeded Houston Rockets. Give me your picks for this one. I got the Nuggets in seven. I think, especially because they have no center now, Jokic is just going to eat them alive. Harden and Westbrook the past few years have not been great in the playoffs. Jokic was really awesome last year. Uh, almost got to the conference finals, just short. And I think that PG Tucker won't be able to handle Jokic. I got I got Denver. I got Denver winning in six games, honestly. Like what Tom was saying, Westbrook and Harden, they haven't been the best playoff performers in the past couple of years. And also like playoff basketball is a little different than regular season basketball, or much different, honestly, than regular season basketball. Uh, teams are much more focused on like, like uh, exposing weaknesses and stuff. And I feel like the Rockets have a pretty like glaring weakness, obviously at the center position. 
Jokic, he can already eat up seven foot centers alive. So I can't imagine what he's going to do to six foot five PJ Tucker. So I don't think the Rockets really have an answer for that. But they have like two of the most explosive scores in the NBA. So I mean, I feel like they could, like, they will take like two games. But overall, I feel like Denver's taking. They have a much more complete team. Their bench is deep. They have Gary Harris, Monty Morris, like two microwave scores. And they have like much more. I feel like they have much more like sleeper players too, like Michael Porter Jr. So I think Denver in six. Yeah, uh, I'm going to have to go with mm, – I'm probably going to go – honestly, I'm going to go with Denver in seven. Um, it's kind of funny. We were talking about earlier, like, who our Dark Horse teams are. Don't count the Rockets either. If they somehow can get past the Nuggets, like, you would – like, I'm not – I wouldn't be surprised if they made sort of a deep playoff run. I mean, from top to bottom, they're not as good as the Nuggets, I don't think. But I definitely think Harden and Westbrook are going to have their way with – any guard that comes their way on the Denver Nuggets. The only problem is that Jokic, I do think, is going to eat them alive out of the paint and the post and on just on the offense in general. Uh, I could still see the Rockets winning three games. I think it's going to come down, obviously, to game seven. I'm not really sure if the Rockets have it in them, though, to go a full seven-game series without a center. So that would be kind of interesting to watch. But I do have the Denver Nuggets beating them in seven. Yeah, I, I have the Nuggets in seven as well. I I just don't think I'm the Rockets trading away Clint Capella. There's no answer to Jokic. Like you have what PJ Tucker or or a washed up Tyson Chandler. There's absolutely no way that you can contain a superstar center in Nikola Jokic. Um, that being said, though, I, I think they they have made it work during the regular season. Uh, Westbrook and Harden, we know what they're capable of. Uh, so I, I, I think it's going to be uh, a really hard-fought series. I, I, I honestly think it's going to come down to, to the wire to so much so that it's going to kind of emulate that, uh, like last year, Denver, Denver Nuggets versus uh, Portland Trailblazers matchup. Like I, I can really see a series like that happening right in the first round uh, with the Nuggets versus the Rockets. Um, but yeah, I just I have to give it to Denver uh, purely because Jokic uh, kind of wreak havoc. All right, so some interesting takes on that one. I think we all agree it'll be a close series, and everybody thinks that the the Rockets will push the Nuggets to the edge, but in the end, Denver will be able to bring it home. Um, I definitely also think it'll go right down to the wire, but I think Houston has a great shot at stealing that seventh game. I think they have more playoff experience. I think Harden's the best player in the series. So I wouldn't be surprised if they were able to steal it, but it absolutely could go either way and should be a super fun series. Finally, to wrap up the Western Conference and all of the first round matchups, we have the four-seeded Utah Jazz up against the Oklahoma City Thunder in the five-seed. What do you guys think? I think the Thunder are going to win this, and I think it's going to be pretty handedly. I give them in five games. The Jazz have really struggled to defend guards, like scoring guards. So Chris Paul and Shea Gilgis will really do work on them. The mid-range, Rudy Gobert struggles to get out there. Because um, Chris Paul, I mean, he dropped 40, his playoff career high against the Jazz just a couple years ago when he was on the Rockets. The Rockets struggled against James Harden, too. And they lost Boyan Bogdanovich, one of their best scorers. That really hurts. Now, almost all of their offense is just Donovan Mitchell. I think they're going to really struggle. I think, like, 
OKC, they're a much better, like, built team. I also like Utah. I feel like they're going to have some chemistry issues. Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, like, even, like, Gobert admitted, like, they weren't talking really for a while. So I feel like the chemistry is going to be a little messed up. And OKC, like, I think they're one of the most, like, underrated teams in the NBA. Also, the past 10, I think they're, like, one of the hottest teams coming into, like, the NBA. Like, I saw their standings. They were, like, past 10 games, they're 8-2, and two, while Utah is only, like, 0.500 right now. So, I like, for the past 10 games. And, like, what Tom was saying, like, Shea Jones Alexander, he's, like, one of my favorite players. And I think he's, like, an up-and-coming guard. He's, like, so – he's too crafty and – I don't know. I feel like Mitchell's not going to be able to stay in front of him. Mitchell's a smaller guard. Chris Paul, although he doesn't have, like, the best playoff record, in first-round playoff ma- – in Western Conference, like, first-round playoff matchups, like, Chris Paul has done, like, pretty well. Um, he has a pretty good track record for first-round playoff matchups, at least. It's the second round that usually gets to him. But first round, I feel like Chris Paul is pretty good. So, I feel like OKC in six games. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the Jazz in seven games. I really like uh, I really like Donovan Mitchell. He's actually one of my favorite players. But I also really appreciate uh, Joe Ingles on that team. I think he doesn't get enough credit for actually what he does on both ends of the ball. He looks like, I mean, not to be rude or anything, but he looks like he's like way past his prime, older than like what he should be. Like not so much that you know trying to hate on him and whatnot, but it's almost kind of good for him because I feel like people kind of underestimate him. He was given Paul George the work a few years ago in the playoffs. And I think he'll kind of do the more or less the same on whoever guards him this year in the play, like whether it's Gilgis Alexander, whoever it is on the uh, Thunder. But I also think Mitchell and Paul will match up pretty well on both ends of the ball. Props to Chris Paul for doing what he did with this Oklahoma City Thunder team. I mean, I think a lot of people probably ruled them out of even getting into the playoffs. And now they're sitting pretty right now at the fifth seed. I think they're going to drop a few games before, and I actually think the Rockets are going to take over this spot. But I have to go with the Jazz in seven games. I, I don't really think they're deep enough nor experienced enough. Steven Adams is there, obviously. But I think Rudy Gobert will have a pretty – no, I don't want to say easy time, but I think he'll have enough to handle in the post with uh, Steven Adams. So I, got, I have to go with the Jazz in seven, yeah. I think OKC in six. Um, Chris Paul, would, I think, will really lead the way for them. Um, and I think Gobert is a great defensive player, but I, I think Steven Adams can find his way around. Um, and I, I just, I question the chemistry, uh, not only between Donovan Mitchell and Gobert, but that entire organization, really. Um, well, I guess the roster, the players, um, that is. Uh, I think if you're not in, if you're not ready to play and you're not motivated and um, and your chemistry is not quite there, uh, I think that'll really take a toll on them. And I had OKC as my dark horse uh, team. I, I think they'll, they'll be able to uh, kind of uh, – they'll be able to manage and uh, beat Utah in, uh, in six. Okay, so there you have it. Playoff predictions for every first-round series. It's important to keep in mind after the eight-game play-in uh, games – the playoff field could look completely different. So we might need to have you guys back on again in about a month to break it down. Uh, But I think no matter what the playoff teams are, we're all super excited to see how it goes down and what happens. Now to end off the episode, let's jump ahead a little bit. And I'd like each of you to talk to me about the NBA finals, what two teams you think are going to get there, who's going to win and how many games and maybe who you think the finals MVP will be as well. Tom, why don't you start us off? 
Uh, I got the Lakers and the Bucks. They've been the best two teams in the regular season. Uh, Lakers have been top five in offense and defense. Teams that end up like that usually end up winning it all. And I think that LeBron is one of the best playoff and finals performers of all time. Giannis has never shown me anything to prove to me he can outplay LeBron and Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis and LeBron are both in their careers, even though AD has only played 13 playoff games, has played at an elite level in the playoffs. And I just think they're the better team in general. So I got the Lakers in six. And do you have a finals MVP? LeBron James. Okay. Yeah, Lakers in six. Uh, LeBron is the MVP. I mean, I feel like it's going to be hard to stop like LeBron. Like, I think one, like the last master, the matchup, like LeBron like handled Giannis pretty well. And I feel like, especially in the finals, like there's going to be much more focused defense on Giannis. And I don't know how he's going to perform under pressure with like his jump shot. Like he's definitely improved his jump shot this year, but I don't know how, he's gonna, how it's going to fare in the finals. And I feel like AD and LeBron are just too much for Giannis and company. So, yeah. I think this rest for LeBron is, a, is truly is like literally a godsend. Um, he's got, I mean, it, obviously it looks, you know, pretty clear cut. He's going to the finals. But I think towards the end of the playoffs on the Western Conference side, at least, he's going to have kind of an uphill battle. I think he'll face a Clippers team that's pretty much poised to beat him. I think he'll take them to six games. I think he'll take them to seven games and win, and he'll end up bang, facing a Bucks team that probably hasn't faced much opposition in the West or in the East, like, at all. I am going to have to go with the Bucks in six. I'm going to shake it up, and I'm going to go with the Bucks in six. I got Giannis as my MVP. I just kind of think that the Lakers could get a little tired if, they, if the series goes longer than what they're going to want it to. The Bucks are a younger team. The Lakers are an older team. The Bucks are – a lot faster, I would say, play a higher, you know, tempo, uh, play a high tempo offense. And the Lakers kind of spread the floor a lot. And they like to, you know, let Braun dribble around, you know, throw alley-oops and whatnot. It works. It's working right now. I just think that that uphill battle in the Western Conference might come back to bite them. For the last few years, everyone's been, you know, like, it's been like, oh, like the Warriors are clear-cut champions. And, you know, they lost to the Raptors last year. You know, something happened, you know, like Clay Thompson tore his ACL, Kevin Durant, you know, Achilles, and then the Raptors win in six. I think kind of the same thing is coming coming like on right now. Like, oh, like LeBron's poised to win this year. But I wouldn't rule out the Bucks that easily, I would say. I definitely think you have to give them the credit that they deserve. They're the one seed. They've earned it. They're going to run through the East. I don't think they're going to run through the Lakers, but I 100% think they're going to give them a very, very tough time. And ultimately, I think they're going to win a championship in six games. Uh, I think out the West, the Lakers, like everyone has said, I, I think I, Lakers were Clippers, but I really do think the Lakers are going to come out on top. Um, for the East, I mean, realistically, it's going to be the Bucks, but because everyone has kind of explained their positions on it, and I, I mostly, for the most part, agree with all of you guys, um, I'm just going to say uh, an exciting matchup that I, I don't know will happen, but I, I'd love to see is the Lakers and Celtics matchup. Um, oh wow! I think if you have if you have the Bucks playing the Raptors, right? That that's going to be a, a I that's going to be a tough series. I think the Bucks would still win, but um, if they're if they have to face uh, the Raptors and then the Celtics, the Celtics might might very well come out on top. Um, Celtics are a very good team. I'd love to see what Jason Tatum has in store for the playoffs. Um, but if you see a Lakers versus Celtics matchup, um, I'm going to have to go with the Lakers in five. Um, I, I'm 
I am biased, but I, I just really don't think there's an answer to Anthony Davis and LeBron James um, if they play the Celtics. Uh, if they play the Bucks, I'm, I'm not too sure what will happen. I, I think probably six games or possibly even seven. Um, I still give the edge to the Lakers. But, um, yeah, I mean, in my heart, I, I really want to see a Lakers versus Celtics matchup at, at Disney World. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty cool. Well, there you have it. NBA Finals picks and predictions from all four of our guests. A lot of Lakers fans here, so of course, a lot of picks for the Lakers to win the NBA Finals. For the record, Luke, I agree with you. I think we'll take it in seven. I think they got an easier road. They got great chemistry, great coaching. But I think no matter what happens, whether it be the Bucks or Lakers, or even the Celtics or the Clippers, I think we've got a great playoffs and a great NBA Finals in store, and I'm Super excited to see what happens. Unless you guys have anything else to add, that's going to do it for this episode of One Golden Moment. Be sure to follow the Daily Californian Podcast Network. We'll have more episodes of One Golden Moment all summer long. Thanks to Tom, Justin, Luke, and Ryan. Be sure to check out their work on the NBA and on their other beats on dailycal.org. You can find them all online and on Twitter. And we'll have to get you guys back on here in a couple months when the playoffs actually start to break things down. And of course, we got to go back and look at this episode and see how all your predictions pan out. But that's going to do it. Thank you guys all so much for listening and see you next time. See the ski there. I'm a